Hi everyone, this is Criterion Channel Surfing, and I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Just a quick note before we begin today's show. The episode I'm releasing today was recorded back in February, just after a misdiagnosed injury from November had landed me in the emergency room and hospital with a life-threatening medical condition. After my release from the hospital, I optimistically tried to resume my regular workload and podcasting output, but health setbacks and constant diagnostic testing, along with doctor's visits to monitor my condition, have slowed my energy and pace considerably. I'll be releasing the episodes I have already recorded as my health allows, and will be moving toward just recording simplified, lightly edited episodes of the podcast, focused on new releases and expiring titles, while I continue my recovery over the next three to six months. I really want to thank you all for your patience, and thanks for listening to the show. One of my great joys during this time of illness has been this online community of film lovers, engaging with art and discussing it passionately with one another. I feel profoundly grateful to be a part of that community in some small way. Thanks for listening, everyone. And now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. In these follow-up episodes, my guests and I offer a few recommendations for films that fit our theme and are available on other streaming services. Becky DeAnna, frequent guest on Criterion Now, Film Baby Film, Flixwise, and Wrong Reel, joins me to continue our conversation about love stories. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion channel surfing, check out The Complete Podcast. Hosted by Matthew Gasteyer and Travis Trudell. Covering the filmographies of the world's most renowned directors one season at a time. The Complete is dedicated to taking chronological journeys through the most rewarding filmographies in cinema. Each season covers one director, with each episode focusing on one feature film from their catalog. The first season was dedicated to Stanley Kubrick. The second season covered Elaine May and the third season was focused on Krzysztof Kieślowski. The current fourth season is dedicated to the films of Satoshi Kon, the director of such notable Japanese animated films as Perfect Blue, Millennium Actress, and Paprika. Find The Complete Podcast at thecompletepod.blueberry.net. Criterion Cast a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. I'm here once again with Becky DeAnna, frequent guest on Criterion Now, Film Baby Film, Flixwise, and Wrong Reel. Becky, thank you so much for continuing this conversation. Oh, it's so much fun. I, again, I love talking about romantic movies. This is great. Well, for these follow-up conversations, we're going to talk about a few films on streaming services other than the Criterion channel that fit the month's theme. Becky and I already talked about love stories that are currently streaming on the Criterion channel, so we're going to talk about a few other films that fit the theme that are currently on other streaming services. So uh, to start off with, I'm just curious, Becky, what are some of the other streaming services that you use? I use all of them. <laughs> it's insane. I, we, I had a call with my, um, I work at Sony Pictures, and I, we had a call the other day where we talked about streaming services, and I think I won. I think I had like 13 streaming services or something of all of them. I have... Uh, 
yeah, I have Netflix. I have a Hulu, um, Criterion, Amazon, um, CBS All Access, which is now Paramount Plus. I probably shouldn't call it CBS All Access anymore. Um, and um, gosh, um, Apple Plus. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much. I feel like there's like six more that I can't think of all of a sudden. But yeah, I, I if there's a streaming service, I'd probably, uh, I don't know why. I just like to throw my money at stuff, even if I, <laughs> just to support <laughs> it, I guess. But, um, and even sometimes I plug down the extras not to have commercials and things. Um, yeah. But um, it's so funny with like Paramount Plus. I think that's something I could probably get for free because my husband works there. And I think he gets a subscription, but I like, like obsessed on paying because I want to s- support Star Trek, which mm. is like Star Trek doesn't really need support, <laughs> but I'd like to say that like I'm a paying subscriber. So anyway, I understand that, you know, I mean, you, you want to, you want to put your money kind of where your mouth yeah. is sometimes, right. You, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that, that you are contributing to the success of, especially in some of these places where, you know, you know, that, you know, the more subscribers uh, a certain service like Criterion Channel or like some of these smaller niche services have. Yeah, just because you can get it for free. It's like, well, I don't want people to think I only have it because it's free. I want to have it because they know that that this content is worth it, something for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally understand that. I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially when it's stuff you really care about. Oh, yeah, HBO Max. I have that too. I, I'll think of a few more, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really, that's really great. (laughs) So let's dive into the films. Yeah. What's the, what's the first film that you want to talk about today? Okay. So I'm going to flip the order that I was going to talk about though. So I'm going to do them in chronological. So it's interesting because the films I have talked about in the past on the last two episodes have been older films. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the two thousands here. So I'm going to be modern and represent all types of films. So the two films I'm talking about (laughs) actually made my best of the decade list of 2000 Mm. to 2009. There's really 10 films that I highlighted there, and two of them are these romantic films that I just love. Um, and they also are both science fiction films and romantic films, which I think if there's a, if you have those both those genres attached to it, then you have more and more of my heart because I those are my two favorite. I just love r- romantic movies and I love science fiction. But mm. the first one I'm going to talk about is a 2013 film called About Time. It's directed by Richard Curtis, and he he wrote uh, several romantic films, um, including um, he wrote and directed Love Actually, but he also um, has done Bridget. He's written uh, Bridget Jones' Diary and Notting Hill. So this film came out, and I actually saw it in London because I go to London every year um, for a conference in October, and I remember it was coming out, and so I went and saw it then. Um, and you know, I if there's a romantic comedy, I'm I'm gonna check it out, and some most of the time. They're they're not great, um, and sometimes you get a surprise and they're good. But this film completely floored me, and it's a film that I've as now in the last um, it's almost ten years that it's come out now. It's a film that I hold special that I like to recommend to people. So now I have a wider audience I can recommend it to all of you. But it, it <laughs> is a film that like I actually own, so like I will put it in people's hands if they come to 
to visit mm-hmm. me um, because it's so wonderful. So it was number seven on my best of the decade list. Um, it, and and in the year of 2013, it, it made my number three favorite film of the year behind Francis Ha and Gravity. But it's a, just a beautiful, heartfelt story about life loss and the power of family. And the, um, the, the storyline is essentially this character finds out that all the men in his family are able to time travel and they find this out later in life. So they're able to go back in time and change things that have happened to them. And it's, it's just so amazing. And this character kind of uses it. He decides to use it to help him find love. And it hasn't, doesn't really help him that much. But um, what's just so wonderful about it, it's like if you have, um, and this is like a perfect film that if you have recently gotten married or had your first child or even had a loss of a parent um, and explores all three of those things, it is a powerful film to see. Um, Mm. Especially, I had seen this film, um, it had come out uh, about a year before I had my daughter and it had even more resonance after I had my daughter um, because they talk about what it feels like to to have a kid and how it sort of changes your life and changes your perception of things. There is an interesting thing that um, happens in um, the character in the film loses his dad. And so he goes back in time a lot to have conversations with his father. And it's really moving stuff. Um, And Bill Mm. Nye is his father, um, who we might talk about later. um, And it's just wonderful. And there's this heartbreaking decision that he has to make um, later in the film the main character is played by don't uh, donald gleason um he has this um uh i don't want to give it away too much but he has to decide if he wants to choose to have another kid like if he has another kid that means that he can't visit his dad and it has to do with the time travel conceit of of how time travel works in the film and it's really heartbreaking stuff um because he um has this wonderful relationship with the girl that he loves, Rachel McAdams, and they have this great relationship that he meets her in this film and they fall in love. So that that romantic relationship is amazing. But it's really so much more than that. It like it really is about family and the power of family and even your siblings and what it's like to have a sibling, a brother and a sister that you would do anything for and would can and and the relationship that you have with your parents and how you would do anything for them and and how you realize more what they've done for you when you're become a parent yourself but it's just um I don't know like it it just defines like who you are and the lengths you will go for one another and it's just really moving and and one of the things it also does is it helps embrace um like the little things in life that you may not appreciate at first glance and what make life worth living which is one of the reasons why i absolutely love amelie i feel like amelie really captures that Mm -hmm. about appreciating the little things in life um this film does that um in a really beautiful way um and throughout this film it's just surprising and wonderful and it's also very funny but really I I think some people shy away from it because they think it's just like if they're not into Love Actually and Bridget Jones and think there's like a girly movie or whatever. This movie... I mean, I, I know a lot of men that love this movie. It's 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 really, I think, speaks to anybody that has, you know, that has lost, like I said, a lost a parent or has had a child or just fallen in love. And it's, I've never introduced this film to someone and they've come back to me and said they didn't like it. It's just that wonderful. Mm. And I wish more people would seek it out. And it's on Netflix, um, which seems to be the streaming service that most people have. So it's very easy to access it. And I think it's a great romantic if you if you do have um, you know um, 
if you're married or if you're in love and you want to see it with someone or even see it by yourself. And again, I think it, I, I'm lucky that I've never lost a parent, but I think this film would have even more of an impact if you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that sounds really lovely. You know, and, and, you know, as you're talking about the film being about so much more than just the romantic love story, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think all of the films that we've been talking about, both in this last episode and the what we're going to be talking about throughout the rest of this episode, uh, it seems that we both gravitate towards films that that are about so much more than just that, mm-hmm. and that that the the love stories that we gravitate towards uh, have to have other layers to make them really worthwhile, and uh, have to have something more than just a boy meets girl or uh, person meets person and meet cute and fall in love that it needs to have some some other depth to it in order to make it really worthwhile and uh, uh, this sounds like it has uh, some real richness to it that uh, elevates it beyond just a a, a typical romantic yeah and everybody has a family and I think that's the thing that it speaks the most to is how your parents and siblings define who you are and how um, the lengths that they will go to for one another as family to have that bond Um, so I mean that's why I think it hits such a chord with with really anybody yeah that sounds really rich I will uh, add that to my Netflix queue uh, (laughs) because that sounds that sounds really good yeah yeah Well, the first film that I'm going to talk about today is uh, Emma from last year, directed by Autumn DeWilde. It's currently streaming on HBO Max. Uh, Now, last year, uh, every year I take a few weeks off to go to the Seattle International Film Festival. It's kind of one of the the big things I do. It happens, uh, the the festival happens uh, around my birthday every year. Uh, It's uh, a great way for me to get to kind of indulge in cinema for about three weeks um it's you know a a really long festival i can kind of uh, just bask in cinema for a long time and this year because of the the pandemic uh it was canceled and uh, i decided instead to program my own at-home film festival (laughs) and uh, as i was looking for films to to do for an opening, I thought Emma looked like a really fun uh, film to program for the opening night film. And uh, so this was the first film I saw in the film festival, and I thought it would just be kind of light, frothy fun, and I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. And I was absolutely blown away by it. Uh, My wife uh, watched it with me. I had friends and family from uh, kind of around the country joining me uh for it as well and we did a zoom kind of gala for it as well and uh it was just an absolute treat to see this film uh it may be my favorite adaptation of jane austen uh i think this is it captures a lot of jane austen's acerbic wit in a way that so many so many of the Jane Austen adaptations focus so heavily on the romance side that they miss the social and class commentary. And uh, this is, I mean, just absolutely a delight from beginning to end. Uh, if you don't know the story of Emma, it is uh, about a young woman who decides to 
uh, help another young woman uh, become more mannered and cultured and uh, marry a what she believes will be an appropriate suitor, uh, all the while kind of engaging in her own um, romantic dalliances and uh, or putting them off as well. It is really, really uh, a beautiful film. It's kind of candy-colored. Autumn DeWild uh, is a photographer, and this is her first feature film. And uh, while it is... The period details are just precise in all of the framing, in all of the the way we have the costuming and the, the set designs. Uh, there is this vibrancy and... Uh, just this pop to all of the colors uh, from the period. But uh, I think the the thing that really strikes me about it is that the film allows the character of Emma to actually be unlikable. So many of the other adaptations make her quirky and make her soft and lovable. And um, the, the film allows her to be mean-spirited and allows her to be condescending and allows her to be uh, haughty. And so we actually get to see her growth. We actually get to see her journey of self-discovery so that 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 arc is really, really moving by the end of the film. And uh, one of the things that I really love about this is that even the the most ancillary characters, the the characters that we feel are the most uh, ridiculous or the most laughable caricatures uh, were, were given insights into their own hidden depths, their own hidden pains and heartbreaks. Uh, Bill Nighy, uh, again, plays uh, Emma's father, and uh, he's, a, he's a delightful performer, uh, and we get these really lovely moments with him throughout. Um, it is just a... A beautiful film, I think, from beginning to end. Uh, this has been a year of really bold adaptations between this and the personal history of David Copperfield. I think 2019's uh, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women. There have been some just really strong adaptations of literary works that have been really bold. And this is one of those ones that I think is just uh, magnificent. And the romance uh, between Anna Taylor-Joy as Emma and uh, Johnny Flynn, who plays uh, her romantic uh, lead, George Knightley, I think is just really, really compelling. And uh, the entire cast is just really, really great in this. And uh, I, uh, if, if people were kind of holding off on another adaptation of Emma, I think this is uh, one to definitely catch. The, the class commentary is great and uh, uh, is well worth catching. Yeah, I, I checked it out because I knew you were going to talk about it. And I'm one of those people who was like, oh, another Jane Austen film. I, I'm not sure that speaks to me and not something I want to see. But mm-hmm. I thought this movie was was very witty and fun. And um, it really snuck up on me. In mm-hmm. particular, um, like I, I love that, you, like you said, that Emma is has, has so many layers to her and you, she's allowed to be unlikable, but it's so it's so wonderful when you see her grow and and realize mm-hmm. from her mistakes because that's very human and we all do that. Like not everyone's perfect and sometimes you say the wrong thing and then you realize what the effect your words have on other people and how you can 
remedy that. So it's just really wonderful watching her as a character grow and then really find love and, and just kind of dismiss it. And then actually find true love is really wonderful. And her friendships that she develops um, through people even that she dismisses that later she realizes actually are so much more than she ever thought they would be and grows from those friendships. Um, it's it's really it's really a wonderful film. And Bill Nighy is, is, is really, uh, he's so funny. Even in the first few minutes, yeah. he kind of steals the movie in the first few minutes of it and like I said he's the father um he plays the father at about time and he's uh, has a much bigger role in that movie and is very witty and fun and just heartbreaking at times so if you are a fan of his he's he's just wonderful in that movie but um I think I think Emma is definitely a film to check out because it is so much more than what you think it'll be um, and really was worth watching I I was uh really pleasantly surprised and thought it was really uh wonderful yeah yeah i think uh the surprise was just yeah i was like i said i was surprised as well yeah and do we know why there's punctuation after her name in this film title have we figured that out uh, i you know, <laughs> you know i th i think it is a stylistic choice okay. to uh to uh, add to the um the emma end of sentence kind of you know got it i don't know yeah <laughs> Yeah, that must be a pain when you were if people were reviewing the movie, especially with word processors that automatically want to capitalize right at the exactly. end. Exactly. Right? Wait, what's <laughs> happening? Why is there a period here? And you take it out. Yeah. yeah. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Becky, what is your second film that you're going to talk about today? So my second film is a ghost story. I'm not sure a lot of people would see it as a ro romance, but it, it does stem from romance mm -hmm. and. Um, it's also a science fiction film. It took, it came out in, in 2017. It was directed by David Lowry. The trailer in itself is just a stunning piece of work. And I'm not sure I never really looked up to see if it won any awards, but it should. That's a type of trailer that you could watch. I could watch it just over and over and over. Um, it's just a beautiful trailer, um, but it really captures the beauty of this film, um, the look of the film, and really the soundtrack is just transcendent. Um, and it, this movie is, um, uh, even if you when you just mention it to someone or if you see just the, the look uh, clip of it, you're just like, well, this must be just a ridiculous film, but it's not. It is about, uh, so Casey Affleck is, plays a man who becomes a ghost Pr pretty quickly into the uh, first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, and he remains in the house that he shares with his wife, Mara. Um, Casey Affleck's known as C in the movie and Rooney Mara's character is known as M. They are really the two key characters in the film, but Casey Affleck is really under a sheet for most of this film. And he is like what you think of when you think of a ghost on Halloween, uh, someone mm -hmm. standing under a sheet. But it's just an incredibly profound film. I this movie wrecked me. Um, I saw it in the theater when it came out. Um, I saw it at home uh, multiple times. It's just such a beautiful film. And it's just haunting and poetic. And it talks about our profound ties to home. I mean, this is there's a character who dies and he really feels like um, that he stays in the home that he that he that he was living it at the time and you get to see him throughout like what he sees as this home people end up mo like his uh wife Rooney Mara's character moves out of the house he he watches a family move in you get to see people come in and out of his uh the house of ultimately 
the house is destroyed and um and then you see other ghosts that he happens upon and it sounds kind of ridiculous but it's not it's so beautiful and the uh, the music really helps and uh but it's there i think there's so much to explore about like our profound ties to home and what it means to what it would be like to think about your home and how you don't want to you are so connected to it and expect really like what maybe if you were a ghost you would want to stay there and think that someone else is coming back there's a there's a scene in particular where he um it befriends kind of befriends a ghost that's next door and there's mm-hmm. there's see and i guess again that, that could seem ridiculous but if you're watching the movie it just is so wonderful and there's a scene where the ghost finally realizes that um nobody's coming back like that this ghost has waited all this time for his family to come back and and he he finally says uh, they're not coming back and he kind of ceases to exist and that scene in particular wrecked me so it's just uh it's just very uh a film that explores humanity and and spirituality and um and and also Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara they had this wonderful beautiful love story in the beginning um and you see that they have some issues in the beginning but as all marriages sometimes do and it's kind of hard to describe right here because I don't want to go through every beat because it's, it's actually I probably could to go through every beat of the story in a few minutes but it's something that if you ever want to talk about and you see this film after I would love to because I've had some people ask me to explain to them certain parts of the movie and um, even when I try when I talk to people about what the movie means I start to weep because it's just beautiful profound movie about life and the passage of time and our connections to home and I can't recommend it highly enough. This was my favorite film of 2017, and it made number three on my best of the decade list, which is pretty big because a lot of movies came out in 2000 to 2009, but this film really hit a chord with me. Yeah, yeah. It's such a such a gorgeous and poetic and just haunting film mm-hmm. that, yeah, I think it, it really speaks to the power of love, the power of like you said, place and uh, it's just, it's it, the power of grief. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a deeply moving film. It's one that I am uh, really eager to revisit uh, because I think there's a, there's a lot there. And uh, I love, I love the circularity of the story and the way it uh, tells its narrative. Yeah. It's a, it's it's pretty magnificent. It's funny. I had this uh, experience the first time I saw the movie. I saw it with two coworkers of mine in the theater, and they didn't really. I think they just decided they didn't like it or something. Mm. And then the movie ended, and the Kane looked at me, and they were like, kind of like laughing. And then they were like, "Wait, are you crying?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and I was like bawling, and they're like, "But why?" And I'm like, "Well," and I started to explain to them the movie, and then within a minute, they both were crying. And it's like somehow they, I think because they just decided they couldn't get past the ghost sheet thing, they just turned off really the meaning of the movie. But when I'm like, no, but then this happened and this happened and this, and they're like, oh, and then they they both like started weeping. It was crazy. I've never had an experience like that before. So it's, it's really, it's a, it's very moving. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's pretty, pretty gorgeous. Yeah. That's great. Uh, My final film that I want to talk about is from 2018 and it is if beale street could talk directed by barry jenkins it's currently streaming on hulu barry jenkins is one of those filmmakers that i just absolutely adore Uh, moonlight was a film that 
wrecked me. I saw it on the night of the 2016 presidential election. Mm. I was coming out of a out of a grad school class uh, and we had just been kind of handed the blow that Donald Trump had probably and most likely won the the presidency. And uh, I was wandering the Seattle streets and seeing people crying in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I walked into our little art house theater that was playing Moonlight and uh, walked into this film of just this, this beautiful film about empathy that just blew me away and moved me so deeply. And uh, If Beale Street Could Talk is his follow-up to Moonlight. Barry Jenkins uh, has a, a there's a poetry to his filmmaking that uh, is just uh, gorgeous that I find so intensely moving uh, every time I see one of his films. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk is an adaptation of a novel by James Baldwin. It uh, is the story of Tish and Fani who are lovers. Uh, they are uh, getting ready to have a child together and um, uh, Fani is arrested for a crime he didn't commit and uh, the film is about Tish and Fani's family trying to get him out of prison and about the the many appeals the the years of work that it takes to try to get him out of prison focuses mainly on the 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 months uh, leading up to the birth of their child uh, while he's in prison uh, but it does it covers a, a wide range of time the story's told it's not not it's not linear in, in its telling it goes back and forth in time uh, from their childhood growing up together to the ways they fall in love together to the the beginnings of their relationship to uh, the the incident that leads to the arrest it is uh, just so gorgeous in the way it's shot in the way that we we see them falling in love with one another the the ways in which Barry Jenkins really just embodies the 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 sensations the tensions the 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 sensations of what it feels like to fall in love for the first time it's just this incredible uh kind of breathtaking uh th these breathtaking uh, moments of cinematography and uh it's shot uh just gorgeously it's ravishing at times it's heartbreaking it is uh really really powerful Again, I just think uh, Barry Jenkins is uh, uh, just an incredible filmmaker, and uh, this is uh, a masterwork from him. And uh, I, I can't, I can't wait to see more and more of his work. This is uh, just really, really incredible. Yeah, that was quite a tribute. That was wonderful. It, the, this film is beautiful, and it's, it's, it's just a gorgeous gorgeously shot film and it's it's really uh i think just absolutely wonderful like you said about talking about what it's like to fall in love and and show that over the photography of cinema um and and the choices he makes and the colors he makes and the type of um even just the what they're wearing <laughs> and the yeah. color palette of yeah. that 
and just really wonderful characters that have some great conversations as well, even not the two leads, uh, just other characters talking um, that are friends. Um, it's really worth well worth checking out. It's it's a Barry yeah. Jenkins is uh, is is incredibly talented filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, and I will say that uh, you know the especially the the central performance by Kiki Lane is really really incredible. She carries has to carry so much of this film, especially with uh, the voiceover narration that really um, anchors us into the film. That's there's so much that she has to do and uh, she's just incredible and Regina King well-deserved uh, awards uh, that she's won uh, for this film it's yeah it's it's pretty monumental so yeah I I am excited for to see his uh, adaptation of the Underground Railroad uh, coming soon uh, so oh, yeah uh, I can't wait for that yeah yeah well, if you are looking for more love stories, uh, those are four more titles to catch this month on other streaming services. About Time by Richard Curtis on Netflix. Emma by Autumn DeWilde on HBO Max. A Ghost Story by David Lowry on Netflix. And If Beale Street Could Talk by Barry Jenkins on Hulu. Becky, once again, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been so much fun to talk about all these. I know. Films. I love it. And I, I love being able to recommend some of these just extraordinary romantic films that I love so much and especially give a spotlight on some films, especially these last two about time and uh, ghost story that I, I'm not entirely sure a lot of people have seen. So the more people that I can see them, the more they can be celebrated. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Hwood Minotaur. Um, it's Dance for Hollywood Minotaur. I tweet uh, a lot, mostly about films I've seen. Um, and Bergman, I tweet quite a lot about Igmar Bergman and a lot of other things that I absolutely love, including Pepsi, <laughs> which is so random. But uh, I'm a big <laughs> Pepsi uh, drinker. And so I tweet about the most random things. But I, I really do live life to the fullest. And, and when I love something, I tweet a lot about it so definitely check that out <laughs> and also um my website's a good place you can find it on uh, a link to my website on my twitter profile but it's also just beckydiana.com it has all my top past uh top 10 lists top 10 films of the year list from the last 15 years and i'm about to actually i'm sure by the time this show airs my 2020 list will be up there and then if you are interested in hearing me talk on other podcasts i have about over 45 appearances a great deal of those are on Igmar Bergman, but I also explored several other filmmakers. And uh, if you want to listen to any of those, you can go to my podcast appearance section on my website. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, 
a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at Patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at Patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to thank this month's new Patreon supporter, Celeste de la Cabra. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and I'd like to continue to thank all of our regular supporters for your ongoing support. Thank you so much. It means so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will sit down to discuss March's new and expiring titles. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.